to Psalms chapter 22 and begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted in that, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake their heads, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. For thou art my God from my mother's belly." Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gape upon me with their mouths as a raving and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of the dearth, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you for these next few moments, God, would you do the work that no man can do. Give us liberty and give us vocabulary and may the will of God be done and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on Calvary, the place of the Psalms. Calvary, the place of the Psalms. Now, we know this morning that this uh, uh, may be a Psalm of David, but as I mentioned the other Sunday night, it is not a Psalm about David. It's very clear when you read Psalms chapter 22 uh, that David is not talking about himself, but David is talking about the Christ uh, of Calvary. Amen? And when we think about this Psalm, uh, all throughout the book of Psalms, Calvary is mentioned. Calvary is uh, uh, the place of the Psalms. And the reason for that is because that when Jesus went to the cross uh, and when he died on the cross, many of the sayings and many of the events that took place, uh, we can read about them in the book of Psalms. Amen? In Psalms chapter number two, Calvary is mentioned. In Psalm 16, Calvary is mentioned. In Psalms 22, Calvary is mentioned. In Psalms 31, Calvary is mentioned. In Psalms 41, Calvary is mentioned. In Psalm 69, Calvary is mentioned. And in Psalms 110, Calvary is mentioned. Though Calvary is mentioned throughout the Psalms, uh, there is no Psalms that gives a more vivid detail about the Christ of Calvary than Psalms chapter 22. What a psalm this is this morning. This psalm is, can be divided into two parts. The first 21 verses uh, uh, talks about uh, uh, the terrible reality of Calvary. And then in verses 22 uh, through 31, it talks about the tremendous results of Calvary. Uh, Calvary was a terrible event on one hand. But when you think about the results that came out of Calvary, it's tremendous results, amen? Uh, you and I are sitting here this morning 
We're a product. We're a result of what Calvary has done in all of our lives. Amen. And so when we come to this psalm this morning, it not only shows us the terrible reality of Calvary and the in the vivid picture that it paints and the tremendous results of Calvary in what it produces, but there is the terminology that is revealed at Calvary because there's several verses. I'm sure as we were reading, you saw them that we find familiar that took takes place in the Gospels that reveals sayings and terminology that we find at the cross. Amen. And isn't that interesting that David wrote that down in Psalms chapter 22 when Roman crucifixion was not even instituted and David had no idea of what crucifixion was about or what it would be but yet he spoke vividly about the cross. Amen. That tells us that this book is real and that the author of this book my friend is supreme and sovereign and that he sees all and that he knows all. While the gospels may tell us about the facts of Calvary, the Psalms tells us about the feelings of Calvary. It gives us an intimate detail of what Jesus felt and what he went through when he was on the cross. Amen. And so when we come to Psalms chapter 22 this morning, what we also see in this chapter here, especially in the first 21 verses, we see that Jesus was abandoned by God in verses 1 through 6. He was abandoned by man in verses 7 through 18. And then he was abused by Satan in verses 18 through 21. A Calvary was no picnic. Can I get a witness there? It was no bed of roses. Our Lord, as the songwriter said, he suffered it all because he loved me. Amen. And so David in this psalm is prophetically writing, but David cannot see Calvary. David can only see himself. You know, that's the way it is in life. We go through things, and as Brother Danny was talking about this morning, we know what future events the Bible talks about, but we cannot see those future events. We can read about them. We can see them through the eye of faith, but we do not know how things are going to play out. Isn't that right? We don't know how things are going to unfold. We know there's going to be a rapture. We know there's going to be a tribulation period. We know there's going to be a revelation. Amen. We know there's going to be a millennial reign. But how every single thing is going to unfold in detail. And though we do know some of the details, we do not know all of the details. Isn't that right? And anybody that would try to teach you otherwise, listen, chalk them up as a false prophet. Amen. Because we do not know of the mind of God. We do not know the timing of God. Amen. We know that summer is nigh. We know that Jesus is soon coming, but we cannot see tomorrow. We can't see one second, one millisecond from now. We can only live in the present and only live in time. Amen. Well, that's where David is in Psalms 22. Uh, David is writing about the cross, uh, but David cannot see the cross. Uh, uh, David just sees where he is at in the present 
present time. And what David sings, my friend, in his own life is a picture of what Jesus is going to experience when he goes to the cross. In this chapter here, David sees four things. He sees loneliness in verses one through six as he says, my God, my God. In verse number one, why hast thou forsaken me? I noticed the distance in this verse. He said in verse number one, why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, David in his lonely despair, he feels the distance. Christ in his lonely despair, he felt the distance as David only feels that he is forsaken. But the Bible says that I will not leave thee nor forsake thee. But Jesus, it was not only a feeling, but it was also a fact. God really did forsake his son so that he would not have to forsake me and you. Amen. And so in this loneliness, we see the distance and then we see the despair in verse number two as he says oh my God I cry in the daytime but thou hearest not and in the night season and am not silent you can see the great despair that David is going through in his loneliness you see loneliness can produce despair in all of our life amen Jesus felt that on the cross as he suffered all alone and then no Notice the determination in verse three and four. He said, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted and thou didst deliver them. Uh, David in his despair and David in his loneliness, uh, he has not lost all hope. Uh, faith will always rise to the top uh, and he knows that God delivered in the past uh, and the God of the past uh, is the God of the present and he will be the God of the future, amen? And when Jesus was on the cross, uh, he said, my God, my God. Uh, He called him God rather than Father uh, because the fellowship had been broken. But he still said he's my God. He is my God, uh, uh, indicating that Christ uh, uh, still had faith uh, that the Father would restore uh, the fellowship because the relationship had not changed, amen? I'm telling you, that is determination just as David is determined to see through uh, and to get through his valley. Uh, Christ was determined uh, to go all the way to Calvary and to finish the will and the work of God. Amen. And so we see that in this loneliness. We see the deliverance. Look at verse number five. He said, they cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. Can I tell you this morning, If you'll trust God, he will deliver you. Amen. If you'll trust God, he will not let you down. He will not disappoint you. Now y'all just go to meeting with me this morning, amen. We're acting like a bunch of dead Methodists this morning, but God is still real, amen. I'm telling you, friend, listen, you can give an amen because God is still on the throne. I'm telling you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, he has not changed, amen. I'm just simply saying this morning, just as God delivered them in verse number five and God delivered Christ at Calvary, he will deliver me and he will deliver you this morning. Now see the deliverance, the despising of verse six, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men 
and despised of the people. Jesus left the, the, the glories of heaven. The God of glory became a worm because he became sin for you and I. He that knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Why would Jesus become a worm? I'll tell you why. Because you and I are a worm this morning and Jesus became a man and he not only died for me and he not only died for you, but he died as me and he died as you. As Brother Danny said, Jesus could not sin and he did not sin, but he took, a, a, listen, he took our sin and it was placed upon his back and he bore our sins at Calvary and he became sin. So that he could pay the sin debt and that we could become righteous in him. And thank God he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief this morning. And so we see the loneliness. We see the laughter in verse number seven throughout verse number 18. And they, he talked about those that laughed at the cross talks about what they said in verse seven and eight how that they laughed him to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shook their heads. Uh, they said in verse number eight, here's what they said. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him seeing he delighteth in him. Friend, that's Matthew 27 and verse number 43. That's exactly what they said in Matthew 27 and verse number 43. And we notice uh, uh, what they said and we notice what they saw. Uh, they laughed. Uh, he said, in verse number nine, but thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I, I was cast upon thee from the womb. Notice this. He said, thou art my God from my mother's belly. Jesus was born of the virgin, wasn't he? He was conceived of the Holy Ghost. He was his God from the very beginning that he came into this world. In verse number 11, he said, be not far from me for trouble is near for there is none to help have you ever felt like you had nobody to help you our Lord knows what that feels like he said in verse 12 many bulls talking about the angry mob that was at Calvary have compassed me strong bulls of Bashan Bashan was a, a stretch of farmland east of, of the Jordan River and that country was known for its bulls uh, and these angry bulls uh, are led by the, the strong bulls of Bashan uh, talking about the Sanhedrin. Uh, they led the nation uh, into crucifying uh, the Son of God, the Lord of glory, amen. Uh, and he talks about in verse 13 how they gaped upon him with their mouths uh, as a raving and roaring lion. Uh, they stared upon him. They looked upon him. They tried to intimidate him. They hated him. They rejoiced in his suffering. They rejoiced in his death. What wickedness. And Psalms 22 proves that Calvary my friend this is what the Christ or the Calvary of Psalms proves is that God was at his best when man was at his worst. Amen. God is holy and man is unholy. Man was so wicked at the cross uh, but Jesus was so wonderful at Calvary. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, he fulfilled the will of God. Uh, he finished the work of salvation. Uh, he opened up a fountain. Uh, he made a way, hallelujah, for you uh, and for me. 
when I think about that this morning and in this psalm, I see the suffering of our Savior. In verse number 14, he said, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. That's John chapter number 19 when Jesus cried and he said, I thirst. Uh, in verse 15, he said, my strength uh, is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws uh, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Uh, hey, there's another sermon on Calvary right there in those two verses to be preached and I'm gonna leave that for another day. Amen. Uh, but look at verse number 16. He said, for dogs have compassed me. Now the Bible talks about Gentiles being dogs. Uh, and this is a good illustration. Uh, no doubt of that military uh, uh, soldiers that was around the cross. Uh, they were Roman soldiers. Uh, they were Gentile dogs. Uh, but notice he talks about how them dogs have compassed him. Uh, then he said, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. Uh, hey, that's the Sanhedrin. Uh, that's the religious scribes. Uh, and the Pharisees, uh, the assembly, they assembled themselves uh, uh, to have the mock trial. The assembly of the wicked is at Calvary. Uh, the Gentile dogs, the Roman soldiers uh, are at Calvary. I'm talking about both sides uh, of that wall that had been built. Both Jew and Gentile were guilty at the cross. Uh, all men are guilty at the cross. Amen. Uh, it doesn't matter which side of the tracks you come from. Whether you come from a religious side uh, or whether you come, my friend, from a uh, listen, uh, uh, a wretched side, uh, it makes no difference. Uh, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, amen. All men are sinners at Calvary. And they were all there. In verse number 16, look what it said. They pierced my hands and my feet. They crucified him. I'm gonna tell you, it's a great psalm, isn't it? It shows Calvary so clearly. They pierced his hands. They pierced his feet. He said in verse 17, notice this, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. There's a word I circled there that got my attention. It's the word all. He said, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. Every bone in the body of our Savior could be seen at Calvary. Not a one of them was broken. You want to know why that was? Because the foundation of God standeth sure, friend. Everything in the Old Testament, every precept, every promise, the law, the prophets, uh, everything in the Old Testament hangs on Christ this morning. Everything in the New Testament, every prophecy, every principle, the gospel, salvation, it all hangs on Christ this morning. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I want to tell you this morning, friend, I just feel good in my soul about this. I'm telling you, friend, listen, they tore the flesh of our Savior, but they did not break one bone. Not one bone cracked. I'm telling you, Romans 
soldiers knew how to break bones. They hit him on the head with a reed, but they could not crush his head. I'm telling you, they punched him in the gut. They beat him upon the back. They took a cat of nine tails and they tore the flesh to shreds. But the foundation of everything that we have and everything that we are, you could see the foundation as he hung on the cross, but it wasn't broken. It wasn't cracked. I want to say thank God there's nothing wrong with salvation. Amen. You ain't got to prop it up. You don't got to fix it up. You don't got to scotch it up. Thank God it'll pick you up. It's what it'll do. It'll pull you up. This foundation, it's sure, it's steady, and it's ready. Hallelujah. This morning, it'll work, won't it? And at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart was rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight. Now, hallelujah, now I'm happy all the day. Jesus said, the Bible said in verse number 18, that they parted my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. It's another sermon for another day. But Matthew 27 and verse number 35 said that they parted his garments. Amen. And they cast lots for his vesture. A peasant wore five garments. We won't talk about all that this morning. I just want you to see that everything that the Psalms talks about concerning Calvary, you can read about it in the Gospels. Amen. Calvary is the place of Psalms. It's the place where the Psalms was fulfilled. A Calvary was real, hallelujah. And David wrote about the laughter. He wrote about the loneliness. He wrote about the lion in verse number 21. Verse 19, be not, but be thou uh, not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength, hasten to help me. Hebrews 2 and verse 9, that he by the grace of God uh, tasted death for every man. Verse 20, deliver my soul from the sword and my darling from the power of the dog. And look at verse number 21. Here it is, save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorn. Now, for all these weird people out there, that word unicorn is just another word for ox, okay? So don't get too excited. If you're seeing leprechauns and unicorns and, and rainbows and pots of gold at the end of them, you've drank too much of something, amen? While I'm thinking about drinking, amen, I got a cup of water here and it's a soulless cup, but it's non-alcoholic, amen? Isn't that right? But you know what? And while I'm on it, I might as well say something about it. We're against gay pride. Sodomite pride. I'm so sick of that mess. This is just a little commercial in the sermon. Here's what this is. Because they want to pump all that filth of commercials and sodomite. Hey, they want to they infiltrate the minds of our young people and make them think it's okay for women to kiss women and men to kiss men. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's sick. It's sin. It's ungodly. It's disgusting. It's perverted. Amen. And I don't care. Listen, they can lock us up and throw away the key before I'll ever quit preaching on it. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, listen, I'm not accepting that lifestyle. It is an abomination, amen. And we ought to pray for them that they'll get saved. But I'll tell you what that outfit needs. They need some old time leather lung preachers, amen, that'll drink about five gallons of I don't give a rip and swallow a little bit of gunpowder and preach a devil out of that crowd, amen. It's sin. Amen. Be careful, boys, how you get your hair cut. Amen. Isn't that right? 
I'm talking about even short hair. Don't look, don't listen. You get a short haircut and you look like a sodomite, sodomite peel it off and start over. Amen. I'm just telling you, friend, we're living in that society. I, I mean, listen, uh, young men walk and twist their waist when they walk and limp their wrist uh, and they wear, uh, listen, they wear clothes that's got flowers on them. Uh, hey, listen, when I was a boy growing up, uh, girls wore flowers and pigtails and bows uh, and boys stayed as far away from that as they could get. Now, they can put me on anything they want to and say whatever they want to about it but I'll tell you that's still right can I get an amen right there and if it makes you mad I'm not even sorry about that that's disgusting go buy that book table if you ain't got the money I'll give it to you there's a book out there I just put a bunch of books out there I'm not making one penny the college bought them here's another commercial the college, we spent about $1,300 and bought books because I wanna, I've had it in my heart a long time to have a ministry for people to buy books and read that will help them. And I'll tell you what it's got out there. Uh, listen, we're not making one. In fact, I bought so many of some books to lower the price so low so anybody could afford it. And we're selling it at cost. Now, that's the commercial. Here's the purpose. Why would, I buy, why would we buy books so dirt cheap and sell them and not make a penny? Because it's a ministry. It's not about money. It's about a ministry. We're not trying to get rich off nobody. We're not trying to make nothing. I'm just trying to tell you, I just want to help people. But there's a book out there called Biblical Masculinity. Every teenage boy ought to get it. Every man ought to get it. And there's one out there for women, not masculinity. Amen. You ought to get it and read it. You parents ought to get it and read it. And if you've got a boy, make sure they act like a boy. Is that right? You mamas, now listen, don't treat them, listen, you, you got to let them boys grow up. I'm going to get back to the cross, but here's your five-minute commercial, amen? Let them grow up, amen? Uh, listen, don't, don't let them be acting like a girl when they get seven, eight, and nine years old. Don't listen, don't, let them mow the yard. Don't let them be dust in the house. Somebody say amen. Is that right? Or folding clothes. It's all right if your teenage boy don't know how to fold clothes. It's a tragedy if your teenage girl doesn't know how to. But teach them, amen. Uh, buy them a shotgun, amen. Come on now. I didn't say let them just run around with it, but buy them one. Amen. But some masculinity. Jesus was a man. He endured the cross. Amen. I don't know why I got off on it, but I'm just glad I did. Amen. But I know how I did all this sick perversion that's going on in this gay pride month. I listen every time I walk in a restaurant. They got that. Listen, the rainbow flag is God's promise. Amen. That He'll never judge this earth again with a flood. Amen. But I got news for that outfit. Judgment is coming. Amen. Every time God turns a nation over. It's always when they fell into the sin of sodomy and our country's in a mess tonight or this morning because we're trying to make it okay and we're trying to make it acceptable. And I'll tell you God's going to rain fire and brimstone down on this nation. Amen. If we make that acceptable and the only thing standing between us and my friend the rain of hell coming down on this country is some God called preachers that'll still preach against it. Amen. Say, well, you may go to jail, might so. Amen. But it still needs to be preached. I don't want to go to jail. The food's terrible. I've ate it. I've not been locked up, but it's terrible. But I want to say this morning at Calvary, 
Great perversion at Calvary. Lots of perverts around the cross. Here at Calvary, in the Psalms, he sees this line. Why was the cross so perverted? Because of the line in verse 21. The devil did not, he did not plan Calvary. God planned Calvary. But the devil showed up at the cross. And he planned to do whatever he could to reap half it at the cross. And the lion, the Bible talks about him in 1 Peter chapter 5, the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And if the devil could have devoured Jesus at the cross, he would have. But he couldn't. He bruised his head, but Jesus crushed, or he bruised his heel, but Jesus crushed the devil's head at the cross of Calvary. That means he defeated him. He crowned him. He conquered him at the cross. Now, I'll not preach the rest of this psalm this morning because it changes in verse 22 throughout the rest of this chapter. And David sees the loneliness and David sees the laughter and David sees this line. The same one that was after Jesus at the cross is the same one that's after you and I today. But thank God I'm glad that the last thing David saw was not the line, but he saw the Lord. In verse 22, throughout the rest of the chapter, he sees Christ as a priest and as a prince. He talks about him. He talks about that time when Jesus is going to come and he's going to rule and reign. He sees the Lord. I'm going to tell you, if you'll look at Calvary, you'll see the Christ of Calvary, but that'll not be the only thing you'll see. When you see Calvary, you'll know that he's the Christ of Calvary, but Jesus didn't stay on the cross, thank God, and he didn't stay in the grave, amen? He conquered the cross and he conquered the grave, and one day he's coming back like the rest of this chapter. He's going to conquer all nations. He'll rule this earth with a rod of iron, and thank God he'll be in charge because he's in charge now. He was in charge on the cross. Things was never out of his control. When he was at the cross everything fell in place exactly the way the Father had planned it to and my friend Jesus Christ was still Lord at Calvary. He's still Lord today. He'll still be Lord tomorrow. He'll be Lord in eternity because he always has been and he always will be Lord. In Psalms 22 the Christ of the Psalms here tells us that Jesus felt our emotions at Calvary. He faced our embarrassment at Calvary. He took all the shame and he fought our enemy and defeated him at Calvary. This morning as we stand, I wonder in this congregation, who here this morning has never been to Calvary? You've heard enough preaching on the cross to save thousands, multitudes. But it will not save you this morning if you don't repent. The cross in itself will be of none effect if you don't accept it and receive it this morning. Not without your head, but with your heart. I want to stop and say before we give this invitation... There are those sitting in church today that thinks that their works, their goodness, their doing is going to somehow merit them into the kingdom of God. There are some that are trying to be saved. You can't, you'll never get saved trying to get saved. Salvation is not about trying. It's about trusting. All that could ever been done 
and that has needed to be done has been done at Calvary. Several I mean, years ago when D.L. Moody was alive, the Mormons invited Moody to come out to uh, out west to Missouri at the time. They wined him and dined him because they felt like if they could ever get D.L. Moody to, to join their religion, it would have great influence because of the influence of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody spent a week with them and when the time was over with, it come time to make a decision. Moody told him, he said, I cannot never believe what you believe. He says, because what you believe says do, do, do. He said, but what I believe says it's done, it's done, it's done. It's done this morning. If you see yourself as a sinner, you see yourself in need of a Savior, then you ought to come this morning.